0: This is ReachMD. Welcome to Spotlight On Rheumatic Diseases. This episode, titled Uncovering Hidden Clues in Diagnosing Psoriatic Arthritis, is sponsored by Lilly. The views and or opinions expressed are of the medical expert and not necessarily by Eli Lilly and company. Here's your host, Dr. Matt Bernholtz. Coming to you from the annual rheumatology meeting in Atlanta, Georgia, this is ReachMD. I'm Dr. Matt Bernholtz. Joining me today is Dr. Roger Cornu, a rheumatologist from Tustin, California. Dr. Cornu earned this distinction of top doctor in Orange County by Castle Connolly in 2016, and most recently, he's been named by the Orange County Medical Association as a physician of excellence for both 2018 and 2019. And today, we're going to center our discussion on psoriatic arthritis and uncovering hidden clues in diagnosing this condition. So, Dr. Corner, welcome to you.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me out here.
0: Yeah, pleasure to have you. So, this is one of my favorite parts of the interviews right off at the get-go. I get to ask you a little bit about how you came into uh, psoriatic arthritis, specifically as a disease state. From an educational sense, you've developed a real passion for it. And from your academic to your uh, multi-specialty to your single-specialty practice uh, arenas, you've Tried to spread the word about psoriatic arthritis. Can you tell us how you came into that passion?
1: Well, thanks a lot. That's exactly right. You know, it's been a journey. I think in all rheumatology cases, you always think about the journey of, of a patient, during about uh, the education of the patients through medicine. And, and right, I've been through pretty much every practice possible. Mm-hmm. I started a single, specialty, multi-specialty group, academics at UC Irvine, and now in solo practice the past two years. And just realizing that. Psoriatic arthritis is, as one of our inflammatory diseases, Has this been really underdiagnosed. There's no test for it, like we would think in, say, in rheumatoid arthritis. And just trying to educate folks on different domains of disease. I call it the classic Noggin disease. We have to really think about well, what the person has. It's not just use a test. You have to use your physical exam skills, your history-taking skills. Classic medicine, if you will. Like. Right.
0: That's a great backdrop. And getting right into psoriatic arthritis, then, we know that there are studies that suggest around 10 to 30 percent of psoriasis patients will develop psoriatic arthritis over their lifetimes but what's the significance of this risk from your vantage point
1: oh it's huge i mean it's one of the clues that we do have and i think to say well if you have like psoriasis out your body that's a pretty obvious case but really at the end of the day there's a lot of cases where it's really subtle and in fact a lot of our patients in our clinic are basically at Fairly 1% to 2% of BSA, which is basically the source area of, of psoriasis, in really areas that we don't really think about as much. And you think about the nails, you think about the skin, you think about the risk for this arthritis condition, which people don't know about. I mean, it may take eight to 10 years to actually have any arthritis manifestations um, after psoriasis. I had a patient I saw in clinic the other day basically had psoriasis about age 10 to 12, had it for a few years, some topicals. She's 50 now, and she developed these joint pains that no one could figure out. And had a more typical asymmetrical disease, not in the classic symmetrical that we think of, say, in a rheumatoid patient. No one bothered to take the history of the psoriasis when she was a kid, but that still applies.
0: Interesting, so there really is an awareness gap in the broader field as, as a whole regarding the development of psoriatic arthritis. Look for the history of psoriasis and oftentimes that's not done, it sounds like.
1: That's right. And in fact, even the Caspar criteria it actually has family history of psoriasis as a criteria. So you ask not just about the patient's history, but also their parents, their siblings. People don't ask that as often as they probably should. Well
0: let's let's stick with that theme of the awareness gap and move towards plaque psoriasis. Many clinicians are familiar with the more typical manifestations of plaque psoriasis on the scalp the elbows, the knees. But you've also been helping train others on some of these hidden areas that shouldn't be missed. Can you just speak to that for our audience?
1: Actually behind the ear is a very common place that we see on the gluteal cleft as well. So you have to usually ask the patient that. It's a little sensitive question, but to say, do you have any psoriasis there as well? Um, the other thing is also the nails. And people will have, especially in the toes, I challenge everyone to, to actually take the shoes off the patient. <laughs> sounds pretty obvious, but it doesn't always happen. So coming back to the feet, uh, this, this idea of, for instance, the
0: presence of dactylitis, um, how often is that missed in general practice and maybe even rheumatology practice? Oh,
1: I think it's missed quite a bit. I think it's because, again, people don't take their shoes off yeah. and you don't really ask. In fact, you have to even like take their shoes, socks off and look and you look at their toes and say, gosh, what about that fifth toe, especially the very common place that's larger They're like, oh, yeah, that's been there for a while. And and it doesn't necessarily hurt in all cases. It's actually maybe asymptomatic to them. This is a sign that we have to think about disease. Because we're all pretty much good about saying, oh, I have this big red toe for gout. But don't think about the other toes. It kind of gets the shaft a little bit. You really want to look at that very closely.
0: And you bring up a really good point about signs versus symptoms. Are we lacking in the ability to really look after the signs when symptoms are not necessarily forthcoming?
1: Oh, I think so. It's education, right? And you say, oh, I don't have time to think about these things. But if you start thinking about a spondy-type patient, then you start really narrowing it down and say, well, I've got to think about their feet, and i got to think about things like emphysitis, think about plantar fasciitis, which which people say, yeah, I've had this plantar fasciitis for, I don't know, in the past, but podiatry said, just wear these inserts and I'm good, right? And, and maybe it is the case in some of way, but but bilateral involvement, just chronic involvement, you gotta think about some of the process besides just the typical uh, mechanical platform.
0: And you mentioned enthesitis. I understand that that, uh, or the recognition thereof, is becoming more and more important as a domain. Can you describe the areas that are most commonly affected by enthesitis in a psoriatic arthritis patient?
1: Great, so I mean, it's a great point. It, I think you look at Achilles tendonitis is very common because it's the largest tendon that we have, of course. Uh, the plantar area is very common. You look at the uh, biceps, tendinitis as well is there, and, and you ask like, well, how long have you had this for? Is it bilateral, is it unilateral? And it's really quick to ask the patient that, so you have to just think about it, because maybe patients just will minimize things. I mean, they will, as much as they complain about certain things, they will minimize others and say, oh, yeah, that's related. Okay, maybe that's, what is that thought? You have to encourage the patient by asking them the right questions. Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, I find that fascinating because, especially emphysitis, where that's concerned, we often pass that off in our own experience without thinking of the patient's special risk factors. Can you speak to that in terms of trying to separate, as you said, it's a noggin disease, separating our own experience and the things that happen commonly from the things that actually might represent a risk factor or might represent a red flag for somebody uh, who might be developing psoriatic arthritis? No, that's a
1: great question. I mean, you think about things like how long it's been going on for, have you tried some conservative therapies? You may go by PCP or a podiatrist, and it's feet, and they're not responding. If people don't respond, you don't, you don't say, well, sorry. <laughs> you have to think about what else. Um, of course, you start thinking about the other domain.
0: If we come back to the dermatological manifestations, what would you say is... The dermatological manifestation or manifestations that represent the greatest risk factors for the development of psoriatic arthritis.
1: Usually have nails with other skin areas, but you can also have it in isolation, which I think is is huge. You know, if it's on the fingers, people may complain more. But again, that's not as common as their feet. And you got to look at it. if you have several toes that are involved, not just ones like having a fungal infection in every toe is not common, right? What's actually more common? Something else. I would encourage, though, folks to, to test for a fungal dose. Easy, just do a KOH prep or a nail clipping to make sure it's not, because you actually have, have both. You have uh, a cirrhotic nail and you have a fungal infection, it is possible.
0: <laughs> not mutually exclusive. Yeah. Correct.
1: <laughs> it's like having osteoarthritis or rheumatoid arthritis. You can have both, unfortunately, it can happen, but you have to be discerning and figure out how you treat this or how you treat that. There's different rabbit holes of, of, of considerations.
0: Interesting, have any cases come to you recently that were a real throw off in the sense that um, they, they came off looking a certain way and you looked at it and said, no, hold on a second, looking at the domains, I'm seeing something very different
1: here. I saw a patient recently in my clinic who was referred for rheumatoid arthritis and said, I think you have RA and they had maybe a uh, kind of borderline rheumatoid factor, of course, that's a good approval for rheumatoid arthritis, right? But then you go in, you're like thinking, no, this is not symmetrical disease. So I think you have to think about You can have PSA, that's symmetrical, but usually it's asymmetrical. This wrist, this finger, this toe. um, And uh, like, he's like, doctor, I have RA, right? It's RA. Like, like, well, and you start asking other questions. And you say, oh, he has maybe some inflammatory bowel type symptoms. He has this emphasize that that he's kind of blew off because he's an athlete. Now he he plays in his... um, uh, so developing that field. soreness
0: must be a Thursday kind of thing. Like right, <laughs> exactly. And so,
1: again, there could be some of that, too, but, but you put it all together, and you think, hmm, there's something else. Of course, that we do other testing. He was at B127 positive, which, of course, a lot of people can be. But, again, another clue. There's no one test, but you have to take all the different aspects and say, well, this is not going to be all right. And so his mom had psoriasis, so that was another aspect to it. And then, of course, the last question before, we took his shoes off and all yellow nails. Mm-hmm. And he goes, well, gosh, you know, that's athlete's foot. And I'm like, well, that's not athlete's foot. <laughs> so the key thing, I guess, for as far as is that just if you have an inflammatory suspicion of anything, refer to us, because we can help folks decide that. I mean, I another patient where, where he had this asymmetrical arthritis, and I said, I said, do you have a skin rash? Where is it? And he basically takes his shirt and uh, embuds his shirt and solves this huge plaque psoriasis he had for 10 years that really no one really bothered to. I mean, it wasn't a big deal. He used a little, oh, or the counter topicals fine, but no one put it together. It's something that I think the last few years you've been better about, but hopefully you continue to tell that story of not just joints, not just skin, but you think about the Infectiitis, you think about inflammatory bowel disease symptoms as well. You think about, you know, the other um, nail involvements, uh, a lot of different areas that we don't think about.
0: I have a feeling many of our our listeners will have heard the the case representations you just talked about and think, I saw a patient just like that. I don't think I took off their shoes <laughs> and other such uh, ideas that really could represent a change in their management going forward really want to thank you for joining us talking about these hidden clues feels like a mystery being solved <laughs> most of the time thanks again for your time Like you very much <laughs> this program was sponsored by lily if you have missed any part of this discussion visit reachmd.com slash spotlight on thank you for listening this is ReachMD. be part of the knowledge